0: Hi fam, welcome to Unlace Project. I'm your host, Steph, with co-host BT, where we unlace creatives, entrepreneurs, athletes, and the stories that make them who they are. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, and follow and like us on Spotify, or wherever you may listen to your favorite pods. We're here today with Anita DeFrance. She's an Olympic medalist, IOC vice president, um, and also serves on the IOC executive board. She's a lawyer, an author, a motivational speaker and has inspired many in the community through la84 and most importantly she's my cousin so we're <laughs> very excited to have her today <laughs> well thank you for being here i know that this is a crazy time for you mm-hmm. um you you just shared that you leave for tokyo tomorrow so uh, just thought yeah. you.
1: it's so early on wednesday morning it ought to be tomorrow so oh. <laughs> Oh, we're perfect timing there. So I'm looking forward to it. I know the athletes have all been selected. Everyone knows who's on each team. And uh, they probably have all been packing or packed already. And uh, I'm very, very excited if they can sleep at all. Excited about what they're about to do.
0: Yes, yes. Well, take us through your journey as an athlete. Um, to your position
1: on the IOC a bit. Well, I am kind of the most unusual Olympian of all because I didn't have any organized sports until I got into college. I grew up, I have three brothers and I could throw the football because in touch football, they couldn't, you know, you couldn't tackle the uh, quarterback. So I got pretty good at that. But I never really had a chance to take part in sport. I was in music and So for me in high school and through college, music was my team, but my sophomore year in college, I got to, well, freshman year, I started playing basketball, and sophomore, I was introduced to rowing, which um, I couldn't figure out what this thing was. I just happened to see it as I was crossing campus one day. I wondered what it was. I went there. I said, what is it? The guy said, it's rowing, and you'd be perfect. I said, oh. There's a line. I've never been perfect for anything, so let's see. And I said, "What do I have to do?" She said, "You have to be able to swim." I said, "Since I was four, He said, "Okay, meet me at the parking lot at 5:30 next Monday morning." Well, not a whole lot on the schedule at 5:30 in the morning, so off I went. And I love the sport. It's a sport where you're kind to one another. You don't hurt one another. You put the water right back where you got it each stroke. Hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's an environmentally friendly um, exercise, and it's also a lot of good exercise. So I came to love the sport without really realizing it, and then decided that I wanted to fulfill my dad's long-ago desire that his daughter, not his son this time, because I'm going along without him, might become an Olympic medalist after all. He wanted us both to be the first African-Americans on the U.S. swim team wow we didn't quite make it but we did our best
2: (laughs) wow that's amazing and what university did you go to
1: well for undergraduate i went to a place called connecticut college which is a small poetic we call it poetic college small small liberal arts college in new london connecticut and then uh, to make I was born in Philadelphia, although my parents dragged my older brother and me back to Indianapolis while I was about two years old. I'm sure I screamed the whole way um, and grew up in Indianapolis. So I said, okay, uh, tell them I'm going to Philadelphia. I was accepted at the University of Pennsylvania Law School, which should be okay. And I'm really going there to row for Vesper Boat Club, which was my goal to see if I could make it to the Olympic uh, Games through rowing. And I did, but I was going to law school, which made my parents happy. <laughs> it was not a smart thing to do, never try and do that mm. at the same time, it was just too hard. I'm fortunate I was able to do it. I figured out when I could work because I had to work in order to be able to pay for my summer stuff, which meant representing the United States at international regattas. And typically law students make up um, for the winter by getting a fancy job in the summer and working 80 hours a week all summer, then you make enough money to survive and pay your bills for the following year. Um, I didn't have that, but instead I worked at night. Fortunately, there was a job where law students could interview defendants before they went for their bail hearings. It was called Release on Your Own Recognizance, or ROR, and uh, this is way back in the uh, mid 70s. Wow. Um, and we would interview defendants and then make a recommendation to the judge who could take or not take the advice of uh, releasing the defendant until trial date or not. So we got to talk to people very close up and uh, ask uh, important questions of them and um, learn to stay away from what we call the pilots or the drunk drivers as much as possible. <laughs> but being able to interact with people at a close level in a stressful situation was really good way to learn about communicating with others.
2: Yes. Yes. Wow. That that's awesome. So what made you decide to practice because it's a civil rights attorney. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Well, I am the fourth generation de France in this country who has been a part of working on behalf of civil rights. My great grandfather uh, was a part of the Pap Singleton movement. David, his name was Alonzo David De France, and he was president or, or treasurer sometimes of the uh, Pap Singleton movement, which was a movement of people who had been emancipated from uh, slavery who were moving primarily from Tennessee into um, into Oklahoma and into Kansas. Okay. So. Those were the areas and it was dangerous, but it was a community so people could live and create places that eventually got stomped on by the people who call themselves white uh, because they were jealous or afraid or whatever. But it was very important to be able to create communities of freedom. Mm -hmm. And so my uh, great grandfather, Alonzo David, and his his son. Faber and Edward de France ran the Senate Avenue YMCA in Indianapolis for decades and created what was called the monster meetings. Every February, I thought it was so funny. They were called monster meetings. I thought there'd be monsters there, but it was the size of the meeting because so many people came and the leadership of the African-American community was there to speak and uh, for two or three weeks at a time. So it was really a a wonderful experience. My father and eventually my mother got to meet these great leaders who came through and uh, they in themselves became leaders. Mm -hmm. So I guess it was in my blood for generations.
2: (laughs) Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. So that takes you to, to the IOC. How do you become a board member on the IOC? How does that happen?
1: Well, the fast way to say someone died first because
2: Ah.
1: (laughs) 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 it doesn't positions don't open that often. Uh, I'm not willing to give up my place in any time soon, but who knows? More important powers have their way certainly than I. Uh, But to be elected to the IOC is a remarkable thing. It's not a job. You don't make money from it nowadays. since actually since the 1984 Olympic Games, um, the IOC has been able to fund its members to travel. Before that, you had to be able to fund it yourself. Um, So our travel is covered, but we don't get a salary, which is just fine. It's such a huge privilege to be able to make the decisions and be there and make sure that the games happen for the athletes, that's payment in and of itself. But it's this remarkable position. Typically, well, it changes. When I was elected, at first you stayed till you were 72, then it became 75, then it became 80. Now we're back to 70. I get to stay till I'm 80. But anyone elected after the year 2000 has, can can only stay till they're 70. Private organization, we're not government. We're a Swiss association. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have the powers of government and uh, we wouldn't be able to, to, to use them but we redistribute money year round. The money that we bring in for the Olympic Games all goes out. We essentially distribute $3.4 million every day to support sports and sports activities throughout the world, whether it's national Olympic committees, international federations, organizing committees of the games and other things that are similar. We support the UN. We have our own what we call the uh, refugee team okay. uh, men and women who are living in refugee situations and have been able to uh, train to the level that they're eligible to compete at the games, which is just a wonderful group of athletes Yeah, you know, right after the Greek athletes are always the first ones in since that's when the, where the games were mm-hmm. um, originally created. And then the second team is the, uh, uh, refugee team, the IOC refugee team.
2: Wow. Well, that's amazing. So we've just experienced and endured an unprecedented year with the pandemic um, where we had to put off the Olympics for a year. Can you talk about some of the efforts that the board has has had to go through to ensure that we can have an Olympics this year?
1: Well, um, one of the things that's hard to understand is how many bits and pieces there are to the Olympic Games. Think, like, oh well, you know, they just do this all the time. It shouldn't be right. hard, right? But when you have, say, ten thousand five hundred athletes,
2: hmm.
1: plus three thousand administrators, coaches, physicians, and others that come along with those ten thousand five hundred athletes. Unfortunately for Tokyo, not not so much families or, or guests or visitors because there will be none for those, those games, but feeding all those folks, making sure that they can get to where they need to get to on time and back, um, making sure that they're taken care of. Um, it's a huge, huge enterprise, so it makes me laugh when people say, OK, two years out, just just put them someplace else. It's like i right. <laughs> right. them someplace else. No, <laughs> it's far more challenging than that, taking mm-hmm. care of that many people. I said when we were planning, um, I, I had the privilege of working for the 84 games and um, helping design the Olympic villages. Then I ran the one at SC and I said, just think of it There's seven thousand of your closest friends are coming over for first three four weeks and then they'll leave but you got to be make sure that they're fed and, and happy and able to do all the things they need to do in those weeks that they're here because they're coming for a specific purpose but they yeah. will go home That's and crazy. then what will you do afterwards
2: right, <laughs> right. Uh, exactly right. well I can say the exciting thing about this year Olympics is that we have new sports that have been added. So I know I'm excited. We're excited about the three on three basketball. We have what is it, the mixed gender, mixed ginger track, track and, and swimming. Swimming dancing. relays, skateboarding, yeah, baseball, softball, karate. Yeah. What
0: sport climbing? What is sport climbing? Wall climbing.
2: Okay. Wall climbing. Okay. Got, it, got it.
0: Got it. Okay. I think surfing too.
1: And surfing
0: yeah yeah
2: we're excited so what's the process how how do you add a sport
1: Ah, well that is an age-old question the answer is it's very difficult Mm -hmm. and the answer is it changes and the answer is it's fluky and the answer is it may or may not be the same as it was before Mm -hmm. Um, we've gone through since i've been an ioc member over these many years at one time we had something called the um demonstration sport where you could demonstrate a sport which got absolutely no attention. And since it wasn't an Olympic sport, the athletes who were demonstrating it weren't Olympians. So that kind of wasn't a great idea. Yes, and then we had these, uh, I forget another category of sport that might just be for one time. Now, uh, for Tokyo, we allow them to have a certain number of additional athletes. I think that was before we realized how many sports they would try to fit them in. Um, um, So they have the five or six additional sports for Paris already. Paris have rejected baseball and softball. So they exchange its decide to have break. They call it break instead of break dancing. Uh, instead oh, okay. So okay. they'll be they'll still be surfing, although there's no place to surf in Europe at that time of year. So the surfing will be in Tahiti, which is considered a state as though California is a state of the US. Tahiti is a state of France. very clever, those French. Right. <laughs> so, so that's where surfing will be. And I can't remember that. I don't think there are any other uh, new ones for, for Paris
0: break dancing. I'm um, I'm interested to see how that plays Man.
1: out. Nobody told me
0: I might have some great yeah. dancing that I didn't know about. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's kind of sad too because they're working hard on not making a you know a mark on the world with the games. But if you have an event that's halfway around the world. There'll be a few people who have to travel there.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, just a couple.
1: <laughs> the carbon markings of the world for sure.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this, this is something that you have said for years, as far as I can remember, is that you've already, and it's a tough concept for many to grasp, I think, but you've always said that the beauty of sport is in the Olympic Village um, and not necessarily the final medal count.
1: Hmm. Can oh, yeah. you explain that? Yes, uh, living in the Olympic Village changed my life uh, living in a community where everybody is successful is an amazing thing. And everyone at the Olympic Village is successful because they've all been selected by their nation to be there to represent them there and there's this amazing feeling around that and then you notice that people come in both male and female female and all sizes shapes colors skin tones and uh and yet and we knew there weren't enough medals to go around for everybody who was there and yet we were willing to live together you know sit down at any table and welcome others whether you could speak the language or not the language was peace and respect Mm -hmm. and it worked so well i came away from there saying listen if we can do this for four weeks, the weeks that the Olympic Village is open, then we can do it forever. Hmm. So we've got to work on the forever and not just the four weeks. Now, of course, we have the uh, Paralympic Games, which come a few days afterwards, which are 10 days of competition. So the, two, the Paralympic Games are really more and more part of the Olympic Games. And you'll be able to watch a lot more Paralympic Games this time oh, in Tokyo. Really? A lot more than ever before yeah a couple hundred hours of television this time
0: good good as we should yeah i mean all the the challenges this past year and um year and a half and all the just planning and strategic everything just to make an olympic games happen it may seem like a like an inconvenience for some as they're explaining it but Do you believe that this is really the perfect time for Olympics? Is this an opportunity to kind of heal the nation again?
1: You know, having people come together has been fun to watch on TV. I think all of us have seen it. And even the few of us who've been able to be with friends again and family, it's what we do as humans. And it's what we have missed this last um, 18 months or whatever the number of months has been since the pandemic, of course. The worst thing you can do in a pandemic is get people together. That's <laughs> right, right. Utter intuitive, but we're doing it as safely as we can. All of the athletes will have the ability of being vaccinated. They should have already, of course, for it to be working in the next couple of weeks. We can't force anyone to do it. However, if you come up positive at the games, you will be immediately put into quarantine. And if you know there's another positive, that's probably it for you in the games because we just cannot have it spread. And I'm really proud of the Olympic movement. We're doing a good job of making sure people are either uh, inoculated or they understand the peril. Because if they are not inoculated and they become infected, then their time at the games is finished, hmm. and so that's that's tough. I want to shout out to all those athletes who kept training this last year. Absolutely, I mean, I mean, absolutely. They have so hard. They made their plans. You don't plan, you know, plan, and then six months before the plans, oh, okay, let's just do this for another year. No yeah. worries.
0: Yeah. People
1: change their minds about had planned to go to college the next year, and of course unlike 1980 when a certain president decided that the best thing to do would be to keep athletes at home mm-hmm. rather than sharing with the world and letting them know one another uh it's horrible to have to wait a year but at least you get to compete yeah. and i don't wish this on anybody it was terrible to not be able to compete at the time but it was not as easy perhaps you have to wait a whole year and and change your plans and and watch other people move on and or do whatever we all had to do in this terrible time uh, of pandemic, but it is a risk. And so I understand why a lot of the Japanese people are not wild about hosting the the event. We're going to do our best. We're going to stay in our own lanes, our playbooks, as they're called. We have to uh, utilize those and stay with those to make sure that everybody is as safe as possible. Mm,
2: yeah, but still get the Olympic experience in a way oh, yeah. safely as possible.
1: Um, well, it's hard not to. Just when you're around, at, well, being with me, being with you, athletes, I'm smiling a lot more than I okay. normally do. Because there's something about the joy that comes from doing hard things and knowing how hard things are and appreciating people who develop the skills and and the abilities to to do these things well. So it's a joyous thing. It's going to be so different because the people there will have the joy. And then we'll rely on the various um social communications to be able to share that joy with the rest of the world
0: yeah yes, yeah we need it that's for sure
2: oh, for sure yes um steph and i talk about this often but women entering the men sports realm um mm-hmm. and we've seen it evolve over what i'll say like the last few years or so where especially in the nba you have women was a becky hammond going out for a coaching position and whatnot um how is it important that our young aspiring female athletes see that representation
1: gosh i cannot say enough about the importance of women athletes being willing to stick in long enough to make changes for a long time, women did not get a chance to compete. The changes, big changes from the year 1900 was the first time women were included on the program of the Olympic Games. In 1984, approximately maybe 12,000 women had competed in the games in that those 84 years. From 1988 till now, over 40,000 women have mm. competed at Olympic Games. That is a huge number of women who are available one thing i've learned about being a woman in this current world is that we tend to wait till we're asked i mean any of us could be president of anything but we typically wait till someone says say you want to think about being president we we need to do this that and the other and somehow we got to get ourselves out of that Mm -hmm. notion that we have to be asked that is that I mean, I look at myself and each time I was asked if I'd be willing to do something. I said, yes, Mm -hmm. I say, yes, probably too much. But (laughs) that's how I got to where I am, because I was willing to say yes and do the work. We need to have more women understand it's all about saying yes and doing the work instead of waiting to be asked. Mm. Just say, yes, this is not right. I mean, one of the things we had in my sport early on was. We raced half the distance that the men did. Now, yeah. the guys decided, they decided, okay, how, gosh, I mean, well, maybe, hmm. we race? what's the problem with that? All well, the coaches that only raced the 2000. They didn't know the thousand. So mm-hmm. we were basically training for a 2000 meter race and racing a thousand oh, because wow. they didn't know. They've never known what a thousand meter race would be like. So it only took us a couple of games. Now everybody races the same distance.
2: Yeah. So
1: we've done the same thing to the uh, para rowers. Mm. By the way, Paralympics, the reason it's parrot means parallel to other sports. So the Paralympics are parallel sports to the Olympic sports. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't know. So I just go ahead and answer the question what the heck is parallel in our para yes, Please. <laughs> I'd share that information. Thank you. So um, why were we saying they could only race a thousand when they do um, marathons? It's like, really, right. we're going to put them on the water to one thousand. Why not have everybody have the start at the two K and the finish at the zero? Right. And that we do, fortunately, but it seemed that. People just don't want things to be critically thought through. Does it? And why does it make a difference? Well, it will take them longer to get down the course. And right. <laughs> you plan for it, <laughs> but they'll be racing each other as they come down the course and that they'll get amazing. better and better at it over time. Wow. So nice. but we have to think about things. We have to ask why things are the way they are and why they aren't different. Those okay. why, why not?
2: Now, how have you stayed motivated all this time? Because you're you're a trailblazer for us. <laughs> well, you know, jumped I'll tell you jumped so things. we can have opportunity.
1: Yeah, well, one thing I learned is it's it's really good to be the first, but it's much better to not be the last right. in everything. So I'm grateful that when I've been to some place, I'm not the last person like me holding that position. So that there'll be others as well. Mm -hmm. so it's good to be first it's better not to be last Mm -hmm. and so that keeps me going if I'm going to take on a position I gotta be thinking okay who's going to be up next and how can I make sure that she or he will be able to do the job that needs to be done and I enjoy life I enjoy seeing other people succeed it's just a wonderful thing to see the smile on someone else's face because they finally gotten that thing to work that they've been working on for so long.
0: Absolutely. In, in my life, I was blessed with, you know, just to have the ultimate example of what an athlete and a woman looks like. You know, if I just point that direction and watch you. But um, I can remember vividly as a young child, you come into the house and showing me your Olympic medal. And I started sharing that I wanted to play basketball in high school and in college. And, and you looked at me and you said, you know, Steph, dream bigger than that. Mm. And at the time, You know, I'm little and I think bigger than what, you know. (laughs) Right. And I realized it, you know, that that meant, you know, the the world, you know, life, sport, you know, overseas, international. And that that really um, springboarded my passion to want to play overseas and not really. I wanted to play in college, but it was bigger than just college. Yeah, Um, that's a tough message to share with these athletes here today, because everything is I got to go to Kentucky. I got to go to Duke, you know, Division One, Division One. You know, just how important and why is international sports something that all athletes
1: should want to experience? Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's a wonderful question. Why should we care about international sports? We care because we should care about the world and all that the world has to offer us. We get so kind of settled in our own ways here in the US. And of course, the US is very good at comfort and convenience. That's what we do extremely well. But we don't always understand that there's so much more available. And just learning from someone about how they manage to get through something can make a huge difference in your life that you might not think about. So sharing all that you've been given is is the part that that makes it wonderful. I mean, we're lucky in many respects to live where we live, and sport is a part of education. In other parts of the world, it's not, and uh, you really have to be at the right place at the right time to get involved with sport. Although in other countries, sport clubs and 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 sports beyond school is more available than it is here in the U.S. So. There's always a trade-off. But if we learn from one another, we can figure out ways to provide for everybody. And I do believe that we, we live not in a zero-sum world where because I get you don't, there's enough for everybody. Yes. Opportunity expands. And that's what you learn through sport.
2: Yes, yes. For, so Steph and I, we work with youth athletes. Um, and she talks about you all the time as a <laughs> prime example. I all was all once a youth.
0: <laughs> you know, it was interesting. I just, yeah, I just um shared your name with some of our youth and mm-hmm. they stopped me and they said, Anita DeFrance, she's in our history book. Sure did. And I said, Well, she might be. <laughs>
2: sure did. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> sure did. Mm-hmm. But from your experience as an elite athlete and just being around elite athlete? What are those characteristics that make up an elite athlete? How do you become one?
1: Uh, Well, first of all, you got to work harder than you ever imagined you could. (laughs) Someone once asked me what I learned from um, rowing at the Olympic Games, and I thought about it. It took me a couple, three years. I finally realized that last race, I learned how hard I could work without dying. (laughs) Woo! Mm. I was close, but right? you right, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you learn how, how hard you can work and you learn about working with a group of people. Um, in my boat, we weren't particularly friends. We were kind of seat raced in the best, the ballast of, of, of the eight of us were in the boat. Some knew each other, but not really, but we had this one common purpose. We wanted to get across that finish line before everyone else and that put us together and made us something very special for those moments and sport has that ability, as I used to say to little girls, you don't have to have your very best friend on the team with you, you just have to be willing to do your very best for the rest of your team. Mm -hmm. so that you can all enjoy together and that's something you can't find in other parts of life why which is why for me especially for girls taking part in team sports is really important absolutely i was lucky that i had music because otherwise i would have had nothing all the way till till college to be a part of working with others
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that's not fair yeah
0: and even i think it's when i learned that you were at connecticut college as a young kid I assumed that was UConn, right? My whole life, I assumed. Mm-hmm. And I went through my, you know, just challenges and hurdles and whatnot through my collegiate years. I never even learned of Division three athletics, you know, two athletics, until it was the only option left because of hurdles I had taken. And I can remember my dad saying, Steph, you know, Anita went to a Division three. Yep. And <laughs> I'm going, what? And no, she went to UConn. <laughs> like, yeah. They told
1: me. <laughs> so we had our um we had shall we say our tails white by uconn once once on the basketball JB. Yeah, yeah. jv, JV. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: but that just i mean just goes to prove that success comes from anywhere
1: right right if
0: you're willing to work for it um it's
1: amazing little old connecticut college has three olympic rowers who would have thought?
0: Wow. well that's amazing. yeah yeah
1: that we know one of them, <laughs> yeah. and there may be more. There's three I know of so far.
2: <laughs> well, do you have any like life goal through sports that you haven't accomplished yet that you're still working towards?
1: Yeah, I want everybody to be free. I'm tired of people being enslaved, and uh, there are 40 million people enslaved even as we speak, and that's way too many. 10 mm-hmm. would be too many as far as I'm concerned. And part of that is the freedom that sports gives you. That's why I want kids to learn about sports, because they understand, again, that you can work with people who are not your very best friends to have a common goal. You can learn from one another about how to approach things, and you can learn to respect one another. And that's what we need. This world needs so much. One of the things that my mom taught me and then I took to another level is that we are one race, the human race we are all the same. And yet each of us is unique. Even identical twins are not identical. So this, this RACE word, except when it's talking about competition, shouldn't be used. It's been used to poison us since the latter part of the 16th century. It's been used to say that there's one group like this and another group like that. No, there's one group like us, period, one group. And we come in different skin tones and different appearances but we're all the same and we need to respect one another so i guess um i'd say to kids ask for help number one if something is confusing ask for help and number two respect people you know the old um, do unto others as you would have done unto yourself was my mother called it the witch's creed What goes around comes around. So so (laughs) pay attention to what you put out there because it will come back.
2: Absolutely.
1: Um, but know that again, the most important thing is we're not here alone. So ask for help. Yes. That to me is the thing that people forget all the time. Ask for help.
2: Ask for help. I love that. Love it, love it. All right. Well, let's transition and unlace you. (laughs)
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm being unlaced. You okay. are being
0: unlaced. Yeah, these Let's shoes. Let's see where
1: we now. got going.
0: All right. So, again, here at Unlaced Project, we after we've unlaced the story that makes you who you are, we like to pinpoint that back to a shoe that may represent your story and where you are today. Um, so, for you, we chose, it's the Jordan 3 um, time, finally... <laughs> Um, and this is specific, because like winning an Oscars, uh, the Jordan 3 um, that was collaborated with Spike Lee represents excellence and dedication and hard work, you know, just the ultimate gold standard. And that's the color most athletes want to strive for. So Absolutely. that's that's your shoe right there.
1: Oh, thank you. It's glorious. I love it. And thanks for tying it sort of almost all the way up. Right, right.
0: <laughs> we took that into consideration.
1: Bravo. Beautiful.
2: We thought that was perfect for you.
1: Thank you. (laughs) And you guys have been perfect for me too. Thank you so much for inviting me.
2: Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done. We we talk about you often. We are Uber excited. Whenever we Steph gets a text from you, we say, Anita, Anita, just (laughs) because we know how busy you are and to take the time out means so much to us.
1: It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to know that you guys are around because once I'm gone, I need you. <laughs> I need you now.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we want to learn as much as we can,
0: pull from you. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a blessing to be a part of this family. So mm-hmm. I absolutely mm-hmm. want to do my part. So mm-hmm. we're here. We're ready.
1: Very good. Yeah. So for now, and maybe I'll get to see you at some point.
0: Yeah, that needs to happen. That would be great. So safe travels. <laughs> Thank you. Praying for you. Yeah.
2: Wish you well out there.
1: Arigato. Oh, That's right.
2: Yes. We learned from our Japan. yes. Japanese
1: friends. That's all I remember. Thank you. Arigato.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. And hopefully we come back with all the goals.
1: Our team will do well for sure, no doubt. <laughs>
2: all right. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Stay laced. Yes, yes, I love it.
0: (laughs) To stay connected, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Unlaced Project. Thank you for listening to this episode. Talk soon.